Hello and welcome to the Post to Post podcast. It is October 1st, Sunday, and this is podcast number 16. Up to 16 already. Wow. We are back again for, uh, I guess it was, it's the second rendition of After Our Break. We took a break for two months and uh, we're back. And this is the second time we've been back. And uh, it feels like just yesterday that we filmed the first one I know, since we've been back. So. I'm sure it flies. It's been a busy week in hockey, busy week for us. Yeah, it's, it's the final week before the start of the regular season mm-hmm. and there's lots of excited fans excited players excited teams and uh we've got lots to talk about we do we have a lot the uh, regular season uh, begins i think wednesday night with some games for some yes. teams and then thursday night for some other teams and uh, by this time next week it'll be well underway every team will have uh, two or maybe even three games under its belt yeah absolutely and i you're going to take the reins in this podcast a bit you've got some topics for us to to cover and discuss and some interesting stats some interesting news, mm-hmm. uh, some news that maybe some people aren't aware of with the Islanders, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what you have for me, so sure. take it away. Firstly, I think what I'd like to mention is where the stats in the news and some of these, and you know, some of this information actually comes from. Um, everybody who's a hockey fan out there in the wider world has places where they go and things they, places they rely on to get them the best uh, information about their team or about the, more about the sport that they love. Uh, I'm no different, and I use the hockey news a lot, and I use a lot of websites, um, including some of the sites that are specific to my team, which is the Montreal Canadiens, so I visit uh, Hockey Inside Out and a few other places. But one place in particular that I visited and decided to subscribe was a website called The Athletic. And The Athletic is a collection of sports writers of all sports from many communities, including many Canadian cities, that uh, aggregate their content in that one spot. And there's a lot of great content there about the NHL. And there's a strong presence in some of the major cities like Montreal, Boston, Pittsburgh, New York, and so forth. So it's not just the NHL. They cover multiple sports. Multiple sports. Multiple, yeah. So there would be a lot of NFL, NBA, and and Major League Baseball in particular. Uh, And the NHL, though, is very well represented. It's called The Athletic. Cost about 50 bucks a year. Okay. Yeah, it's very good. Anyway, from that, uh, I have an interesting statistical story about some of the uh, defensemen from the 2016 season. We'll get to a little bit later on. Uh, but firstly, I think just as we're getting to the end of the exhibition season, the pre, preseason season, maybe it's uh, a good opportunity right now before things get going to talk about where we think some, some of the teams are at least. Yeah, because there are some teams that uh, people were pretty high on over the offseason, Ottawa in particular, mm-hmm. after they're... I mean, they made the final four, they made the final two in the East, and uh, unfortunately they didn't, they didn't get by Pittsburgh, but lots of ho- people that were high on the Ottawa Senators uh, in preparation for this year, and then the preseason happened, and uh, it's it's uh, made some people re- re-examine their decisions, including mine. Yeah, the, uh, of course we saw the Senators, and you know, we, as this is being recorded as a podcast, our takedown, or our, I guess, summary of uh, the Hockeyville game hasn't gone to air, so we won't get ahead of that and spoil it. Yeah, it comes out tomorrow. Yeah, but we did see uh, the Ottawa Senators play in real life in the flesh right in front of our eyes uh, last week, and uh, we have some opinions probably on, uh, on on how they did that you'll hear about when you watch the regular uh, video. Yeah, and we understand that it is the preseason. It doesn't really matter. I believe the year that uh, Carey Price broke the franchise record with 43 wins and 23. 13, 2014, maybe. 
the preseason of that year for Montreal was absolutely terrible. Yeah. And look what happened. So. Look what happened. And, and the preseason for Montreal this year was absolutely terrible as well, up until the last two games. Uh, they managed to handle New, New Jersey uh, fairly handily um, the other night. I thought it was Florida. Or Florida. Sorry. Yeah, you're correct. It was Florida. I think it ended up being 3-1. Uh, pretty decisive, though. I think Montreal played well. And then the last night's game, the Saturday night game, they played Ottawa again and beat Ottawa 9-2, to two, and it was a real clinic they put on. And Some of the players people have been waiting on for a long time finally did catch fire. Galchenyuk fired a, a shot that was just unbelievable yeah. uh, and scored with that. It was it, amazing. It's funny because uh, Andrew Pillock on, on his channel, uh, Andrew Pillock Hockey on YouTube, he came up with a video, I think he that uh, Friday maybe mm-hmm. and talking about what why the Montreal Canadiens can't score <laughs> and then after he filmed the video uh, Montreal beat Florida and then they beat Ottawa 9-2 so awesome. uh, Andrew if you're, if you're watching keep and, making videos and, buddy and, yeah I commented on the video I said thanks for releasing the jinx on the Canadians <laughs> with this video <laughs> <laughs> that's great it is early I one of the commentators after the game last night I went over to RDS which is the French version of TSN and they have a, a program called L'Antichambre which is uh, basically the dressing room and several uh, hockey luminaries uh, will populate that show from time to time. Sometimes it's former coaches. You'll see Guy Carboneau on there, Michelle Therrien. You'll see uh, former players like Gaston Therrien and, uh, on there just talking about what they thought about the game. And one, one of the commentators in French mentioned that if Montreal went and played eight games and lost the first six and won the last two, it's nowhere near as scary as winning the first two and then losing the last six. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's right. And that's what what happens. And uh, you are quite right. The, uh, the preseason says nothing about the team's fortunes in the regular season. We know that. But it is a chance for coaches to play around with lines and juggle. And a lot of teams have done their close to their final cuts now. And only a few more days remain before they have to submit their final rosters to the NHL, at least as to how they're going to start uh, the season and uh, Montreal did very poorly in the preseason, as did Ottawa, as did Detroit. Um, Tampa Bay did very poorly in the preseason, and that's a team that many people are uh, predicting may finish first in the entire East. Mm. Uh, but they did very poorly as well. So you can't take any measure of that and and make a, a decision. But what you can do is look at individual players and how they performed. Uh, some players surprised by being able to hang around longer than a lot of commentators thought they would be in camp. So, Well, we, we saw teams like New Jersey, that when we saw New Jersey play, they were also playing in, was it New York? New York? Uh, yeah, Brooklyn, they, yeah. Yeah, so were. the same team was playing twice. A split squad. In the same day, at the yeah. same time. <laughs> uh, so you can't really put a lot of, uh, I don't know the right word, you can't put a lot of... Stock, really. Yeah, you can't put yeah. a lot of stock in, in, in your team in the, in the preseason, because there's... No. There's so many different factors. Uh, sometimes guys just treat it as a warm-up. They don't, they're not playing their hardest because they're trying not to get injured. They're just, you know, getting their win back and, and getting used to their new line mates. Uh, you can't put a lot of yeah. stock into it. Montreal was very disappointing last Monday night. They played essentially the Toronto Marlies. They got out ahead 2 nothing. It was looking pretty good. Yeah. And this game, I think, was in Quebec City at the uh, Videotron Center. And then the Leafs which is really the AHL Farm Club members of the Leafs, came back and I think won the game 4-2. They did, and that Canadian squad was 
pretty much their main squad. Yeah, so. most of their A-list guys. Yeah. So that was a that was the scariest game of all for you know diehard Montreal fans, and I'm sure every team in the league went through that. Yeah. You know where they had a really good team up against a bunch of newbies, and then still lost. You know, and the fans are probably setting their hair on fire. Yeah. And all worried. You know, they've been waiting so long all summer for hockey to start, and it does, and they're not getting instant gratification like they want. Mm. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Um, an interesting development that's probably going to be resolved by the time a lot of people hear this podcast is what's going to happen with Yarmir Jagger. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, so that's the next story I'd like to focus on just a bit. Uh, the thinking was that Jagger would go home to Europe and play with Kladno, which is a team that he is at least part owner and maybe a majority owner in, in the, uh, in the second tier league that they, they play in. In Czech Republic. Yeah. And that would be to, uh, you know, keep him in shape. But because of the same thing you mentioned a while ago, the injury issue, uh, possible injury issue, he didn't go. Uh, he stayed here in North America, which led a lot of people to think that maybe he's close to getting signed by somebody. Well, thank God, because it's been forever. Somebody signed this man. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the talk that uh, I have seen is uh, relating to the St. Louis Blues. I assume that's because of the Fabry injury. That's exactly right. Uh, Robbie Fabry went down with an injury to his knee that's going to take him out for the entire season. Uh, so that's a big loss for the Blues, and they're looking to fill that hole to, to some point, maybe not totally. Yeah. And there's Jagger sitting there. Uh, and the thinking is, you know, the last few years he's played, he's made around $3.5 million. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of money, maybe too much. But most people think that to make it worth his while, you're probably going to have to have at least three on the table to, to get him to sign. Yeah, even, you know, he can't produce like the Yager used to produce, but he, he can still produce. He's, he still puts up points, and his wealth of, of experience and knowledge is such an asset for the rest of the team. And despite his age, he is an Ironman. You know, he had 16 goals last year. He had 46 points altogether. He played 82 games. Yeah. In the last four years, and that would be 334 games, I think is how it works out, 324 games, he's only missed 11. Wow, that's impressive. That's Considering very impressive. his age, that's that's amazing. It is amazing. So, you know, he is certainly an asset. And it all comes to the money part, of course. You know, he's 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 a great player. He's obviously not a 6 or 7 million dollar player, but he's yeah. certainly better than a million. So, it's all about money. Absolutely. So, I hope St. Louis does give him a good look and maybe we'll see him in a Blues uniform. The deadline for submitting your final roster of existing players is 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday. Okay, so we're still two days away. Still two days away as we're taping this, and teams have a chance to uh, take a final look at some of their players. You have to be down to, I think it's a 23-man roster, I believe it is. I, I have, should get my math correct on that, but there are different numbers of teams. You know, like a team can actually have, I think, up to 80 guys signed, but, right. you know, they yeah. certain... Uh, and they can expand it a bit for the playoffs, but I think it's 23. Yeah, their main, their main roster. Their main roster, yeah. Now, in the case of uh, teams like Montreal or other teams that are looking at uh, draft picks, you know, that are still hanging with a team like Victor Mete, who I'll be talking about shortly, and other teams around that are looking like, for in the case of New Jersey, for instance, looking at Heischer, you know. Yeah. You know, I think it's pretty clear he's going to stick around. But yeah, same with Nolan Patrick as well. Nolan Patrick. Yeah. You know, these players are going to take a spot from someone else who probably was going to be a lock otherwise. So uh, they have to make some serious decisions there. And there's a lot of players went on waivers over the weekend. You know, there's dozens and dozens of players out there on waivers that are still pretty good players. So, you know, we'll see if any of them get uh, snapped still, up. There still could be lots of changes in the oh, yeah. lineups. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, 
you know, the, the teams will be deciding whether to not only put someone on that roster uh, for the for the date to start playing them officially, but then to keep them on the roster because you can play, you know, a junior age player for up to nine games in a season at the beginning before you have to keep them. Yeah, there's uh, a limit. We saw that with uh, Sergeyev last year of Montreal. I think exactly. he played the first four games maybe. Yeah. So and you then, can play yeah. nine, and then you have to go back, or you're in. Yeah. You know, you you stay up. It's so. a commitment by the team. So. Yeah. So uh, you know, in, in the case of Mete, who I follow the most closely, I know you know we're Montreal fans. We don't want this to always be a Montreal podcast, but um, he's he's been doing tremendously well. They're trying to find a partner for Shea Weber because uh, Emelin is gone and Bolio's gone, and all the other right, he yeah. is changing uh, rapidly. But Mete has done well and did well in the game last night against. Uh, well, he was third star last night. Ottawa, uh, what yeah. nationality is is he? Canadian. He's he's Canadian. Yep. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, he is Canadian. And uh, uh, now, originally, what that name is, you know, who knows? Mm. But it's probably yeah. not Scottish. But uh, yeah, he is Canadian. Uh, if we want to roll on to into that story, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He was drafted in 2016, and that was the same year there was some pretty other uh, substantial uh, D men drafted. Uh, Charlie McAvoy drafted by Boston that year. Um, there's uh, Oli Ulevi, uh drafted by Vancouver. Um, Jakob Chitron, uh, drafted by Arizona. And Sean Day by the New York Rangers. Uh, some of these, and there's been other, obviously there was hundreds of you know, uh, tal- talented uh, players in that draft, but those are some of the, the D that are still hanging around and, and uh, being looked at by teams now as possibly being able to stick into a roster somewhere. Yep. And a lot of Montreal fans, including me, uh, we're quite disappointed to see Sergachev go out the door. Like, we'd like to see Druan coming in, but we're not sure if it was worth it. Because Sergachev was drafted the same year. Same year. Yeah. Sergachev was drafted the same year, and he was supposed to be the guy. Yeah. Uh, so now he's with Tampa Bay, and good luck to him, and good luck to them. Uh, yeah, I hope definitely. he does well. It's not to his fault. He's caught up in the big machine. And, uh, they, you know, Tampa Bay obviously wanted some good assets in, in exchange for Druan, so, you know, that's what they have. But to look at the uh, the numbers for the last year of junior compared to the year before, uh, you can see some interesting development for uh, Mete, where he comes up to and actually passes Sergachev in stats. Really? Uh, yeah. So that's quite interesting. Rachel uh, Derry, I, I'm going to try to pronounce her name properly, uh, wrote in The Athletic uh, a statistical comparison between some of these high-end D. And kind of hard to put McAvoy in this list because McAvoy didn't play in junior. He played with college That's hockey right. in the yeah, States. So, exactly. you know, you can't really have him in the, in the you know, in the same grouping. Yeah. Uh, many fewer games and a different talent set. So th- that all being said, we had uh, five players that uh, were drafted in 2016, one of which went right into the NHL, and that was uh, Chitron. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, a property of the Sarnia Sting, but he uh, went into the uh, Coyotes uh, uh, team probably because even though he was brand new and you know not very experienced, he still fit in well. Yeah, he was still still an asset. That helped <laughs> still him. an yeah. asset. Yeah. So he was in the first year uh, of junior, but uh, then went to the NHL uh, very quickly. So really, that leaves us with you: Levy, Sergachev, Mete, and Day. And uh, Rachel did a comparison of all these players. Another interesting thing she did was she didn't just look at total points; she looked at primary points versus second assist type points. So if you had a goal or the first assist, that's a primary point, and she weighed them heavier than a second assist because sometimes a second assist is more the result of luck. 
Right. Someone then, passes the puck and then they go for a line change and they're on the bench and they still get a point. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So she focused more on what the, she would call the primary points, the, uh, the goal and the first assist. When you look at those numbers, certainly in the first year after that 2016 draft, Sergachev was head and shoulders above the other players. Uh, he had lots of points with the Windsor Spitfires and he was on his way up. And, uh, you know, I guess that's what got Montreal fans so excited. Second was Chichron, who uh, then went on, of course, to play with Arizona in the NHL. Then you had Ua Levy, a Vancouver property, in the London Knights, and his line mate was Mete in the London Knights. And they both did about the same. They did fairly well. And then Day with uh, Windsor Spitfires uh, did quite well as a New York Rangers draft pick. Now, in the second year, this is the interesting part, Sergachev ended up finishing with the best stats under that metric. Uh, Sergachev, uh, oh, sorry, not the best, uh, the second best, because Mete actually passed him, barely. Uh, Mete has had a better primary points per game uh, ratio, which was 0.58, whereas Sergachev was only 0.56, hmm. and they both were 0.3 in the uh, second assist category. So Mete actually outstatted uh, Sergachev, uh, in the last year of junior. And what, 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 uh, where was he drafted? Mete, where was he? Mete was drafted in the fourth round, 100 overall. Wow. Whereas, uh, Sergachev was drafted, uh, number nine overall by Montreal hmm. in the first round. Wow. Yeah. So, um, I think Serge, or, uh, Mete is turning out to be a good second choice, uh, a good also ran to, uh, and like you said earlier, he had a good preseason. So very good. Is he going to crack the roster? I don't know. I don't know if he. You know, he might get the nine-game tryout thing before yeah. they send him back. I think a lot of the more experienced hockey uh, knowledge brains are saying it's still better to send him down and uh, work him. You know. And those same people said that Gallagher should be sent down too, but you, mm. he he surprised so many people in that preseason. That Did he, he ever? His, his his first year, and then he he cracked the lineup and. Yeah. Uh, he was gold never since, so you never know. Yeah, and uh, when in Rachel's article, she actually put together a couple of videos showing how Mete is is being smart without the puck, as just you know, just as he's good with the puck, he's yeah. really good without it. And he got a great assist in a game the other night where he, you know, even faked towards the net and kind of froze the goalie. Then he passed uh, like a no look pass, and uh, oh wow, in it went. You know, so he's got this real mature. Uh, real good hockey knowledge, hockey sense on the ice. Interesting. Yeah, so I just thought that was interesting. And one final point on, on the, the difference between Mete and uh, Levy, for instance. Last year, when they were building the rosters for the World Junior Championship, Canada cut Mete near the end. He never made the team for World Junior. Uh, Levy, uh, a Finn, uh, he was put on the team, but then Finland didn't do well in the tournament, and he didn't do well. And when he came back, uh, he didn't really have the same fizz that he had before he left. It was almost like uh, he lost ground by hmm. going over. Interesting. Meanwhile, Mete was back uh, racking up the points uh, because he wasn't on the World Junior team, so he was still playing uh, and doing very well for London. So. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, the next topic, how are we for time? Oh, we're 20 minutes. Oh, good. Okay. The next topic is the New York Islanders uh, location issues. And this has been a topic for two or three years, well, I guess. Well, really, yeah. Um, it's been a long time because they used to play in the Coliseum, right. I believe, yeah. uh, Nassau Coliseum. Yeah. And now they have moved to the Barclays Barclays Center, Center in Brooklyn. Are they yeah. still playing there this year? 
They are. This is the last year that they have to play. Okay. After, after this year, they have the option okay. to go. Um, now, some things have happened in the meantime. They were playing in the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum since the 70s. Right. And it was old. It's an old rink, yeah. Very old rink. But they renovated it just recently. So it's undergone a complete rebuild. And However... Did this happen last year while they're at the Barclays Center? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, the, the only problem is, in its new configuration, it only seats about 13,900. Oh, that's not enough. And it used to be in the, around the 16 range, right? 16, yeah. 17. So now they're down to 13,900, and Bettman has said, you know, can't happen there. Yeah, it's just it's, not, they're yeah, not going to get possibility. enough bumps in the seats. Yeah. No. So now they have made an offer or signed some sort of a prospect uh, agreement with a consortium of partners to build a brand new arena near Belmont Racing Track, uh, which is a little farther out in Long Island. Okay. And, you know, the, the good news is it's back out towards their more traditional fan base, which yep. is suburban Long Island. The bad news is it is even farther away from downtown New York than the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum was. Right. You know, several miles even farther out. It's near the Cross Island Parkway. And it's uh, quite a ways. And it's no longer available on a subway route, you know, so, so far away. Ooh. Now, the Long Island Railroad, the LIRR, does have a station that stops at Belmont. So, you know, they would serve that. But, you know, subway is where so it's at. So city people would have to take the subway out to the train station yeah. and then get on the train and go. That, that complicates things. It does. At least it's an option. It is an option. And, uh, you know, it's possible. But, it, you know, like you say, it does complicate things uh, for fans to come out from the from the downtown uh, one fan wrote on a, in a comment I read this morning that, you know, he's an Islanders fan, but he lives in Manhattan. And when they're at the Barclays Center, it's great. I mean, they're right on the corner yeah, of Flatbush yeah, yeah. and Atlantic Avenue. You know, there's a sub, a big subway hub. I think there's 11 trains that come into that station. Oh, wow. All different directions. So it's not only on the subway, but it's a, it's a term, it's a hub. So hypothetically, if they did build at this location mm -hmm. and it takes a long time to build an arena, it takes what, two years? Yeah. Or something oh, like I, that to, to, from start to finish and mm -hmm. not including the, all this negotiating happening right now. I mean, that all that has to, stuff has to go happen right now. And that takes months and sometimes years yeah. uh, until the actual, you know, construction starts. How long can the Islanders wait? Like if, if it takes two years or two and a half years from now until the, the arena is ready to go or whatever, do they play at the Barclays Center that long? Well, I think they have to play at the Barclays Center for as long as it takes to get another place. Okay. I don't think there's a third option right now they can go to. So, you know, now how the whole, you know, how the whole breakup works, I don't know. I know yeah. they have to play there one more year, and I don't know if they, can they give notice and then give notice for two years down the road or give notice, you know, or maybe Barclays Center has an option to say, no, one year's all you're getting. Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. So if, if they can't sustain the Barclays Center and they can't find another place to go, then they're probably going to looking at leaving New York. I know altogether. that the, uh, I don't know if it was the mayor of Hartford or the arena offered the Islanders to come play there while they figure out their arena situation in Long Island. So could we see the Islanders go to Hartford for a year or two just to, mm. just as a, a, a resting home, I guess, and while they wait for their actual arena. It's a little far away. Uh, it is. But at least it doesn't mean the relocation of a team entirely to a, a, well, new, that's true. a new thing. And of course the mayor's, whoever it is, probably hoping that once they get here, they'll love it so much they will stay after <laughs> yeah, all. Maybe. <laughs> but uh, you know, the, now, now there is another option, which is 
to take the team and build a new arena elsewhere in Long Island, which would be much closer to the downtown of New York, and that's out in Willits Point, and that's where the Mets relocated to a couple of years right, back. Yeah, I know where that is. Yeah, uh, City Field is there. Willits Point used to be a large industrial area, which was mostly just junkyards and you know, car reprocessing facilities. It was quite decrepit. Uh, the total population of the entire neighborhood was 11, you know, because that's how few people actually wow. live there. That's crazy. You know, it was so... It's close to LaGuardia, right? It's very close to LaGuardia, yeah. If you're on the final approach to runway, probably, I don't know which one it would be, but if you're the Northwest runway, you'd be flying almost right over top. Yeah. And, you know, there's nothing there now. It would be a build from from the ground up. Yep. But uh, the, the people who own the Mets, I think, are involved and maybe trying to sway... Uh, the powers that be to get something built there for the Islanders to go to. It would still be on Long Island. It would still be in Queens. Yeah. Um, and it would be, uh, therefore, still in New York. And uh, and that would help uh, build a relationship between the Mets and, and the Islanders. It actually could, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and that that's never a bad thing. And they could prof, uh, profit financially from, from that. I mean, they could... If you're an Islanders, if you go to see an Islanders game, you get a ticket on the back. Maybe there's a discount to go see a Mets game or something like that. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? The two seasons don't overlap a they whole lot. Yeah. But, you know, the baseball gets going in April. And yeah. hockey, that's when they stop the regular season. But, yeah, there's there's all kinds of cross-promotional Even opportunities seasonal there. tickets. I mean, if you get buy seasonal tickets for, for yeah. the Islanders, you get 20% off season tickets for the Mets or who knows? vice versa. So. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's another possibility. So there's literally three locations where they could be playing, let's say, in four or five years' time. One would be at a new facility at Willits Point. Yeah. One would be at Belmont Park or Belmont Park somewhere right. you know, across from the racetrack. There's a racetrack and then a large vacant area across the road, which is probably where the rink would go. Okay. And the third option is to stay in Barclays. Uh, Which isn't an option, not really. Not an option, really. And neither is going back to the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum because it's too small now. So... If those two new arena deals fall through, we might be looking at uh, a relocation of the Islanders. That's correct. And that is the most unfortunate news I've heard in a long time. It's uh, it's very grim. And, you know, what this story says to me is that, you know, the the Barclays Center is definitely not a long-term option. It's It sucks because it's not like, I mean, sometimes, some teams just don't have a large fan base. And they don't have a large enough fan base to support the team. Mm-hmm. The Islanders have a huge fan base, and yeah. it's just a location problem. It it's, is a location problem. It's and not fair. They were hoping that when they went into Brooklyn, that they would draw from Brooklyn. And they didn't. No. Yeah. The locals who are interested in hockey are nowhere near what they need it to be. Yeah. And everybody else, this huge fan base that you just mentioned, they are there, but they're just too darn far away. And for, for instance, when they first went to the Barclays Center, they would have their morning skate at the Barclays Center, and then the game that night, you know, so if it was a game night. Yeah. But now, because it's so darn far away and there's nothing to do in the meantime between the morning skate and puck drop at night, they move the morning skate back to Long Island. <laughs> they actually do that at a facility, a practice facility, that's only about an, uh, a mile from the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Wow. So for a lot of the players who live out in Long Island, for yeah. all the fans who live out in Long Island, Going to the Barclays Center is actually like going to a road game. Crazy. And it's unsustainable. It's crazy. Yeah, it's too bad. Do you think that, uh, do you think we could ever live in a world where MSG is shared, that Madison Square Garden is shared with the Rangers and the Islanders? Do you think that arena and the schedule of the arena could sustain two NHL teams, even short term? 
Well, I think it could. You know, it's, it wouldn't be the first time. I think the Giants and the Jets both shared uh, the Meadowlands for a while, you yeah. know. Of course, football, you only play once a week, and you only play every second week at home, really. So that was probably pretty easy to work out. Yeah. Madison Square Garden is a pretty busy spot, it's though. It's probably the big, the busiest facility in the National Hockey League. Yeah, because so. when there's not hockey there on a given night, there's something else. Yeah, there's always something going there's on. There's the there. Westminster Kennel Club dog show, or there's <laughs> yeah. the Knicks, or whatever, you know. So it would be a pretty tough to do that. Yeah, very tough. Very tough, uh, um, and you know, it's not, wouldn't be the first time though. I think the New York Americans and the, and the New York Rangers for a year or two yeah. back in the twenties both played there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> different, but, different time. But. Yeah. Big difference, big difference. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that, that sucks though. Uh, we'll, we'll follow the story as, as best we can and keep you guys updated at home mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it'll be, it'll be fun to watch. It'll be a story that will likely be ever changing. Uh, they signed this exploratory deal just last week. So we'll see where that goes. I'm going to keep an eye on the New York media and uh, be watching. So uh, hopefully uh, that along with uh, Calgary and their location issues will become something we can talk about for a while and then fix and then not have to talk about it again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, anything else on the, on the agenda? Well, there's lots that popped into my head from time to time, but uh, it's probably all in my basket for today. All right. I got a question for you. All righty. I've never been one to predict winners of trophies in the NHL, oh. but but I want to ask you two questions. Who wins the scoring race this year, and who wins the Vesna? Oh. I think Connor McDavid is back. I am in, in agreement with you. Okay. I think Connor McDavid. Okay, one for one. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I'm right, but. Yeah. The Vesna. Because it's decided before the playoffs are finished, yep. and it's really a regular season trophy, and because Holtby's been so good in the regular season, I think I'd lean Holtby. I was going to say Holtby as well. Really? Yeah, I was. Well, that's no fun. <laughs> <laughs> we have nothing to argue about. No, I know. <laughs> well, uh, how about Rookie of the Year? Okay, now we're now we're on to one. Um, well, based on one night of watching Heischer, I think he's got to be in the conversation. Yeah. And if Patrick uh, cracks the team and, and plays well. Uh, Hard to say because we don't know. We don't even we know. Don't know so. We don't even know. But I think he's sure's a. He's, sure's a, a he's, he's a lock. Yeah. I think he's going to play for the Devils. He, he, he's going to play. 100%. We, and he's going to play well based on what we've seen. Yeah, we watched him play. We know he's going <laughs> to play. Like, if they cut him off the team, then I don't know. But. Uh, yeah. I I would give it to Nico Heischer. That, yeah. that would be my prediction. But uh, again, really early. So. It's really early and just, you know, let's hope that if, if any of our predictions are wrong, it's not because, uh, if someone gets hurt. Okay. You know, uh, I have another question for you. Alrighty. This one is Montreal Canadians related. Uh, I apologize to all the non-Canadians <coughs> fans at home. Uh, but Jonathan Durant is a new addition to the Canadians. As many of you know, or all of you know, my question to you is what's your prediction in his point total? How many points do you think he's going to get this year? I think Jonathan Drouin is going to put up. 80 points. 80 points? 80 points. Whoa. I think he is he is the sh- the shizzle. Wow, I was going to say 56. Okay. Well, it's, you know, we're not that far apart really. Um, and I say that because in the game I watched last night, which would be Saturday night's game against Ottawa, I didn't only watch him on the ice, which was impressive, but I watched him on the bench. Mm-hmm. And he's integrated. 
You know, he's already got the little, you know, like the, the fist bumps and the, and the guys are talking to him and he's talking back. He's really, I can see that he feels comfortable sitting there. He, I watched a lot of uh, interviews on a uh, Canadian's website right. and just general in- interviews on Sportsnet, uh, podcast interviews, radio interviews. He loves being in Montreal. He he's, really does. He's all about it. Yeah. He's, he, there's so much controversy down in, in Tampa Bay, but he is so excited to be in Montreal and that's probably his biggest asset right now it's yeah. just that he wants to be there and because it's montreal if you're doing well you're a god you're a god yeah if you're not doing well you're the devil and that's the that's the risk well look at patrick Waugh. look at that it, it just everyone yeah. turned and it sucks i hope uh hope nothing like that ever happens again and uh yeah, yeah. And he's gonna do well i think he's gonna do well regardless of how many points he gets he's gonna do well um, I do have another question for you. All right. Non-Montreal Canadiens related. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. related. So we've yeah. got the big three, Nylander, Matthews, and Marner. Mm-hmm. Which of those three players get the most points this season? Well, I think Matthews is the obvious one for, you know, probably me because I'm not deeply into the Leafs and watching them. and But they're all so good. Um, I think, you know, when you... St- when you start off in game one last year with four goals, <laughs> yeah, the most go- the most goals a rookie ever scored in game one ever in the history of time, yeah, and you know you're off to a pretty good start right away, and Marner's probably like, <clears throat> what about me? Yeah, <laughs> and I think the very next game Marner put up some pretty good numbers. He did. It. I believe Marner actually had a better points per game average than Matthews last year. I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. uh, I believe he did because he got injured for a bit. He did. Uh, I, if yeah. Marner can stay healthy, man, that team's going to be scary. <laughs> Well, it's going to be very scary, you know, for everybody who doesn't like Toronto. And that used to be me. Yeah. You know, like if this was me five years ago, I don't know what I'd be doing with myself. You know, I'd be probably oh, just giving up on hockey. Yeah. Like, I, want to, I want to cheer for lacrosse or something because <laughs> I don't want to see Toronto do well. But I honestly really, really hope they do well. As much as I'm a huge Montreal yep. fan and always hated Toronto growing up, um, they have waited so too, so long and too long for, uh, to have something really good to cheer about. You're going to be watching this year? I'm going to be watching this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who aren't you going to be watching this year? If for I know you, you don't watch a lot of games other than when Montreal's playing, but hypothetically, hypothetically uh, Montreal's playing whoever, mm-hmm. regardless any of the other 30 teams, who are you least excited for Montreal to watch play? Um, like the, the the, it's going to be the teams that that are not predicted to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, the teams that are Montreal is supposed to excel against because when Montreal and traditionally plays a team that they're supposed to beat, they usually play poorly. Yes. That's and the way it, goes. You know, it used to be Montreal would go to Arizona, you know, and then get owned. Yeah. Uh, or they'd go to, you know, like when they do that crazy road trip between Christmas and New Year's to Florida every yeah. year, back when Tampa wasn't a great team and Florida certainly wasn't a great team and they go down there. I think it's just, they go down to Florida, they see some short skirts and bare shoulders and beaches <laughs> and stuff, and they just forget about their hockey stick. It's like when they go to California. Montreal's record in California is just abysmal. Awful. It's just terrible. Awful. Yeah. So those games will be the ones I'm, I'm the least looking forward to. Mm. I think when Montreal plays a competitive team over the course of, you know, years, um, they seem to bring a better effort than when they play teams that they're supposed to. I think they just mail it in if they play teams that they're supposed to beat, and they yeah. don't beat them. And I don't know if that attitude is going to change or not, but it better. They need to have, every team in the in the league has to have their foot on the gas and uh, not let up. I would say that uh, the team I'm, I would, 
least interested in watching Montreal play is New Jersey. Not because I'm not interested in watching New Jersey. I'm going to be watching a lot of New Jersey this year compared mm-hmm. to last year, but uh, I, Montreal just can't beat New Jersey. I just, the, they just shot them down. I would every time Montreal plays New Jersey, I just feel like Montreal loses. It, it's it's frustrating. Well, and you know, even though New Jersey isn't the only team anymore that does that, you know, the trap and the you yeah. know, and, and they, were, they used to talk about you know the left wing lock and all these crazy you know things as if they were secret formulas or something. But New Jersey traditionally is not a fun team to watch. No, and they they've come alive a little bit. They still they still work with the neutral zone trap a little bit, but. Uh, eh. They're they're definitely not the team they were. For no, sure. no, they're not. And you know, I, I like you. I, I believe definitely watching them just overall, particularly to see how he sure does. Yep. And, and and how much better Taylor Hall eventually integrates. And um, but yeah, I I don't know. Like now, I have a question for you. Shoot. You have uh, access. You've you've purchased the NHL, what we call NHL Center Rice or NHL TV. That game center. Game center, right? And uh, plus, now we have new internet. We last. Last week we forecasted that we would have new internet. Maybe we should talk about that a little bit uh, here before we're done today. But now we have new internet and television coverage, and we have uh, access to probably pretty well every game that's going to be played um, because you can keep uh, more flexible hours than me right now. What are you going to watch? I'm going to be watching. Uh, I'm going to be watching Buffalo. I'm going to be watching a lot of Carolina. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be watching Vancouver. I, I predicted that they'll do poorly, but they've got some young guys I'm interested in, in watching. So I'm going to be watching Vancouver from the West. I'm going to be watching San Jose, mm-hmm. second favorite team. For sure. Uh, I'm going to be watching Vegas, and I'm especially going to be watching Phoenix, or Arizona, sorry. <laughs> I'm especially going to be watching Arizona because they've got some guys that I'm excited to watch. I'm mm-hmm. excited to see what that team can do. Uh, teams I won't be watching a lot of probably is L.A., uh, Pittsburgh, Colorado. You know what? I think I will watch some okay. Colorado. Um, Anaheim, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just know they're going to be good. So I'm curious about the underdog stories, I guess. Um, oh, yeah, I'll be watching Carolina, Buffalo, Toronto, New Jersey, uh, San Jose, Montreal, Vegas Golden Knights, and Phoenix or Arizona. I did it again. Damn it. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my plan. Well, one thing I'm going to watch a little bit more of that I never did before was non-North American hockey. And I think over the course of summer, you know, you and I and, and the other post-to-post uh, contributors have done logo rankings and arena rankings and talking about various leagues. And it's really sparked an interest in me. I, and now I don't know how I'm going to do it because... You know, the access to media, legitimate media. It's not, it's, it's not only access, it's the time difference as well. Well, yeah. But so. at least, uh, you know, European games, uh, if they're played, they're going to be played earlier yeah. rather than West Coast games here in North America, which are played later. So I'm going to be a, you know, not stay up too late kind of guy because I get up quite early to go to work in the morning. So anything after about 10 p.m. my time, you know, I really have to be you're invested. Put, yeah, you're pushing it. I'm pushing it because I'm old, you know, I... Old people go to bed early and get up early. I'm not a morning person. I'm up till <clears throat> two every night. Yeah. So, but when I'm able and when I can think of it, I'm going to try to find some European hockey games, whether it's the KHL or the uh, the, the British League, which I think would be the most interesting, uh, just 
based on our interaction that we've had with members of our yeah. our viewer listener community and viewer community like Gary and Shane and uh, and learned a bit about how things go over there. And I'm excited to see that work. Today was the NFL game in, uh, in Wembley London, Stadium. In London, yeah. yeah, New Orleans and um, uh, Miami, I think it was. The Dolphins. Uh, I don't know. I think the game is still underway as we're taping this. I don't know how it went. But, uh, you know, the British people have embraced American football in a way that I wouldn't have predicted. Oh, yeah, definitely not. And I don't think hockey will have the same catch as American football has had, but I think there's going to be some. I mean, they play hockey over there and they get fans in the middle. Yeah, they sure do. There's tons of fans over there. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think I owe that league and the KHL yeah. and the Swedish league and the Finnish league. And now, of course, now I have to mention them all or somebody <laughs> will get angry, but I owe them all my intention. Yeah, definitely. Uh, because now when I hear about players coming from a certain team, I want to see a little bit about that team. So I'm going to try to watch that. Yeah, watch, at least watch the highlights and uh, follow the, the standings and the progression and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's important because this channel is obviously NHL based. It's We talk about the NHL the most. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really the point of the channel. But... Like you said, over the down season or the off season, the, our downtime with the NHL, we had the opportunity to explore other leagues around the world. And I, I like that about this channel. It makes me happy because we we can't be so naive to think that the NHL is, it might be the biggest hockey league in the world. It doesn't mean it's the most important to everyone. No. Uh, so it's important to us that we look at these other leagues around the, around the world. So Absolutely. Cool. And, uh, you know, one of the, the reasons why uh, I started watching uh, a little bit on the internet of some of the early KHL games, because they actually got started in August, was because I needed that fix so badly. You know, I just, yeah. I wanted to watch something, anything, yeah. please. I also wanted to watch uh, Markov's games. Right, you know, right, he's, right. he's with Akbar's Kazan. And yeah. I did see a little bit of him playing and uh, it's odd, he's still wearing 79, I noticed, but uh, it's odd to see him in another jersey. I'm not sure the book is closed on Markov about ever coming back. I think that, uh, I think cooler heads will prevail. I don't think it's totally done. Uh, we'll see about that. But. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Well, I know, uh, you remember Ryan, who I met in Toronto? Uh, yes. He, yeah. he was in a couple of videos on the channel. Uh -huh. He's a huge KHL fan. I think I told you that. Yes. And I think he even mentioned it in the video. He loves the KHL. Mm -hmm. uh, which It's interesting to see a North American-born person uh really interested in the KHL. I think it's so far away, but he's invested and he watches it. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, we have a coach uh, in the KHL who's from our home yeah, community here absolutely. in Stratford. So, um, you know, it, Dynamo Minsk uh, coach and uh, Gordy Dwyer. I, I think it's, I, th I think it's important for Canadian hockey fans, maybe American hockey fans to follow their citizens, their players, that maybe are no longer playing in North America, but now have gone on to other things and uh, to watch them and see, make sure they're successful elsewhere. I think it's a great, a great thing. Well, there's even Canadian hockey players playing in Australia yes. and their league. And as we know now, an Australian player hoping to crack the NHL. Yeah, so, it, it's uh, it's a big giant circle here on, yeah. on the, the world. So <laughs> yeah. it's interesting. And uh, the internet, just very quickly, um, a lot has happened since last podcast. Last podcast, I was here whining about getting blacked out by my uh, right. satellite provider. And it came to a head. There was another blackout that happened on Monday night. Yeah, the next day. The next day. And uh, here NHL Game Center was telling me that... Uh, I'm blacked out because I'm in the Montreal zone. Yeah. And TSN was telling me I'm blacked out because 
I'm blacked out. Yeah, and, and to go watch Game Center. <laughs> to go watch Game yeah. Center. So uh, I pulled the plug, and now we have a different provider. Uh, we're now with Fiber, and uh, the the game came in fine the next night. Uh, Wednesday night or Thursday night, the game was fine. So it works. We have very, very high-speed Internet in here, uh, and that's going to enable you to do some live streaming perhaps yeah I, I i look forward to that we'll have to do that more often it's yeah. been a long time since we live stream so we'll do that again uh fairly soon maybe in the next couple of weeks or next couple of months uh, it'll be it'll, it'll be good for the community as well it's it's nice to interact with people in the live setting so yeah sure is yeah. i i've not ever seen that from the inside you've only watched i've only home. watched it as a fan a big yeah. fan Ooh. <laughs> All right. Well, that probably wraps up this podcast. I uh, really appreciate you guys watching or listening. We had some uh, video issues last week. Our, our GoPro died. So we have two set up today. Hopefully they both work, but uh, if only one works, at least we have one. So yeah. uh, well, there will be video for this podcast. Uh, so you can watch it on YouTube. If you're not, if you, if you are listening, you can watch it on YouTube for the future. If you're on YouTube watching, you can listen as well on iTunes or Google Play Music. Uh, we are everywhere. And even your local podcatcher, uh, Podbean is, is what I use to, Podbean, to yeah. send send everything out. And there's so many. There's so many podcatchers out there. So just use whatever you need to do. We're on all of them. It's linked down below in the description uh, of this of the YouTube video. I really appreciate your viewership and your listenship. Is listenership a word? I'm not sure. It is now. <laughs> listenership Listen, would be. Listenership, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, guys, thank you very much. Uh, if you like this video or podcast, uh, slap that like button. Uh, leave a good review. Subscribe to... To the podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, and the, our YouTube channel. We really appreciate that. And uh, we will see you next week for number 17, podcast number 17. Bye bye. Adios. <laughs>